Hey everyone, thanks so much for being here. Just a quick introduction for today's show. I interviewed Jill. She is from Florida in the United States and I wanted to chat with her because if you've been listening to the show for a while, in the very beginning when I first started interviewing people, I talked with a couple, um, Larry, not Barry, Larry and Belinda um, Wern, who came up with this method to break up scar tissue and adhesions, and they've been working on a lot of endo patients. And so I find this method interesting. I haven't personally done it myself. This isn't a sponsored show or post or anything like that. Um, I just find some alternative methods, anything that can help at least treat some of the pain for endo and in Jill's case, help her be able to get pregnant. So we do talk a lot about her fertility journey with endometriosis and um, just an FYI for a trigger warning, we do talk about pregnancy lost in this episode. So I wanted to let everybody know that, but we chat about the treatment that Jill had with Clear passage and how she is feeling now. So thank you very much for tuning in and being here. I appreciate you so much. Take care. Hello, everyone. Today we are welcoming Jill to the show. She is in Winter Park, Florida, where she just told me it is 90 degrees and we are recovering from an ice storm here in Detroit. So I'm already very jealous and I think I'm going to go visit Jill. Jill, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're so grateful to have you on today and we look forward to chatting with you. Um, I always like to start off with, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, anything and everything you want to share? Sure. Um Let's see, I have three beautiful children. Two of them um, were kind of miracle babies. My first child has got autism and um, he's doing really good now. He's 20 years old. I can't believe that. And um, I live in Winter Park. I live in Florida. My two little ones, they're into acting and modeling. So that keeps us really busy. Um, I homeschool the two little ones and I did homeschool my oldest one. Um, and he finished last year. So this is his first year, not in regular school, but he's doing, um, he's in a program for kids with autism that um, helps them train in specialties so that they can kind of be ready for a job, but they don't offer degrees. And so that keeps us busy. We, I like to play tennis when I'm not doing other things. That's something that keeps me busy. And we have three dogs. We have three poodles, a standard poodle who is, um, we like to dye pink. And so that's fun. And then we have two toy poodles. And so we're into poodles and tennis and acting and homeschool. That keeps us pretty busy. I was and we say, <laughs> but the beach, our beach house got ruined in the last hurricane. So our beach time has been a little bit, um, not so much kind of until we can get it repaired. So that's kind of what, what we're all about. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that that happened, but yes, you do sound, that sounds like you are very busy. I, <laughs> I picture you driving around a lot, going from place to place and I live in my car and it's a giant <laughs> Hit right now <laughs> that's what happens I get in the car and I, I I'm called my son calls me the mover the mommy uber, I'm a mover. I, I I yeah I, I probably and then like the dogs probably are in the car yes. sometimes oh yeah, oh, yeah. All I bet it's crazy they look at me in the laundry room like are you going to take me this time so, <laughs> 
um, yeah, I spend a lot of time in the car. So yeah. that is another pastime. I, I can't say that I enjoy it at no, all. No, no, for <laughs> sure. You're just, you're Ubering everybody around. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing with us today. And um, I like to really start off with, you know, with endometriosis, when you remember potentially some symptoms starting for you, what they were and, and how things started to progress for you with this disease. Well, um, a reason why the autism comes in is because, um, when we were treating my son, we have a hyperbaric chamber and a lot of the autism conferences say, you know, follow some of the same protocols your child follows, because if they're inflamed with autism, most likely you're inflamed, but I never gave too much thought to endometriosis, even though my mom had endometriosis. Um, I always had cycles that were heavy and clotty, but I never had some, I never was one that would be in bed with cramps or debilitating pain. Um, so I never gave it too much thought. And because I had no problem getting pregnant with Jake, my first child, I, I didn't really even consider it. And Jake was seven years old and I decided I would really like to have another baby. And he was to the point in his autism journey where I felt like, um, it was, he was ready. We had recovered some and I was ready and I could devote time to a new baby and I was having trouble getting pregnant. And so I went to a fertility doctor and he said that I had premature ovarian failure. I had high FSH and low AMH. And I said, what does that mean? You know, and I had cysts and I ended up switching to a different doctor and he treated me and he said, okay, the first thing we need to do is a laparoscopy. And they put me on um, the birth control pill first to see if any of the cysts would go away. And they, they didn't. So we did a laparoscopy and they drained um, one of the big um, blood endometriomas and they drained it, but they couldn't get the whole part of it off. So I had to go back again and, um, that happened nine months later. And then another nine months later, I went back. So I'd had three laparoscopies all within nine months of one another. And did they say, Jill, sorry to interrupt. Did they say endometriosis to you or anything? Or is it did. just they, you have cysts? They documented it as stage four endometriosis. And okay. they asked me if I had any symptoms. And I said, um, not so much other than the cloddy cycles. They were always on time. I always had a regular cycle, but they were very heavy and they were very cloddy. And they told me lots of times the people that have the worst endometriosis are the ones that feel it the least. So when I went back to think about it, I thought, okay, and what can I do to make it better? And so I started trying to do some home remedies like um, castor oil packs. I saw an acupuncturist and they taught me about moxa, which is a like a burning stick. And I would um, do that around my ovaries and my uterus. Um, and so that helped with some of the clotting, making the clotting um, less. And as I got further in my fertility journey, 
I would say that's when I started having the pain. <laughs> I didn't have any pain necessarily before I knew, but after they started treating me and um, then I started having some of the, when they started opening me up and sure, but I, I three didn't surgeries yeah, like I had that back three. to back. And so that's when it called my attention more to my ovaries and I would have ovarian pain because I had a cyst burst on me. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was leading up to the second laparoscopy. The first laparoscopy, they drained that endometrioma, but they drained it, it filled back up and then it burst. That's when I started having the pain. And so they did a second laparoscopy and um, they didn't check my uterus. And so then they went back and they said, oh, you have a fibroid and you have two more cysts. And so towards the latter part of that journey is when I started having pain because I had had a C-section with Jake and then... um, it's coming on 10 years later, obviously, because I had, um, when I finally did get pregnant, it was 10 years from my first child, but, um, I had had the adhesions from the first C-section and I had had the adhesions from the laparoscopies and in the laparoscopies, they cut you in four places. They cut you in your belly button, your left ovary, your right ovary, and they also cut you in your C-section scar. And so um, I had that done three times and they were all nine months apart from one another. So I was probably pretty scarred up and um, pretty restricted. And so the more that they cut me, it was kind of like a bad cycle. The more they cut me, the more pain I was in. And, but leading up to it, when you asked that original question, I really, I didn't even know I had it. Right. And I was doing a lot of anti-inflammatories and I was doing acupuncture and I was in my hyperbaric every day because of Jake. So um, when it was actually called to my attention and then they started working on me, that's when I was like, well, something's not right. 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 And then, so you started to experience pain and what, what type of pain were you having? A lot of the pain was in my ovaries. Um, And then because of adhesions, I had a lot of lower back pain. And um, and that was very uncomfortable. And usually the lower back pain would spike during a cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, That's more or less when I felt a lot of the lower back pain. And um, so that wasn't any fun at all. And are you doing fertility treatment at this time as well? Or are you just going through this process, trying to remove the cyst? Well, I was, I was trying to, so they wouldn't treat me for IVF until after I had my laparoscopy. And then, um, so I had the laparoscopy and then we did an IVF, which made me, um, more cysty Mm -hmm. and that first IVF failed. And then um, I had um, recurring cysts. So I had another laparoscopy and then they did a frozen transfer and the meds that they stimulate you with is what helped cause some of those cysts. Yeah. So, um, so we did a frozen transfer and that all, I was 
like borderline pregnant. I guess my levels were very low and then I lost it. And um, so it was, it wasn't a fun process. Yeah. Um, very hard. But yeah, I was going through for, I was, I was, well, they have that protocol where, you know, they, they have to work with your FSH usually in your AMH, and then they have to scan you to make sure you have no cysts, especially if they're stimulating you. And so it wasn't until after I got through my treatment with clear passage that I went in another direction than IVF. We went with IUI and no stimulation and we were successful that way. But we realized that in the process that some of those medicines that were for stimulating the egg production were indeed causing me to be cysty. So, so you go through these three surgeries and these cysts keep coming and you you're dealing with that situation. What, first off, how are you doing? Like, this is a lot on you. Oh, it's miserable. (laughs) It was so miserable, disheartening. And I just, you know, everybody kept mentioning my age because I was 37 when I started and you know the hope starts dwindling and dwindling um I was fortunate that I was still having a cycle so that was promising despite my numbers um some people put a lot of emphasis on numbers other people don't so much so I was always thankful when I found people that were like this can happen regardless of your numbers um I did a lot of meditation in the process. I did acupuncture um, and I I did a lot of walking, um, but I had to also care for my son who I was homeschooling. And um, my one of my, aside from really wanting a baby, I wanted another baby so that he wouldn't be on his own. I wanted him to have a sibling because I'm an only child and um, we are not very close with our family. And so there's not a lot of little ones. So I wanted him to have a sibling that I didn't have. So that was important to me. Um, and so it was, um, it was a real struggle. It's very up and down, up and down, you know, you have hope and then the hope sometimes fades and then you have to get back in a good headspace to keep going and, and, and keep your goal in sight and, and really know how important that is to you. And it was so important to me. So it was worth doing everything I could. I mean, I did whatever I could. And the doctors got so frustrated too, because they would say, your file is this big, you're making us look bad. And, you know, I was looking for every which way in between that I could help the process. And so if it was a castor oil path, I did that, walking, massage, um, acupuncture, and, um, and so I, I did whatever I could to yeah. try to help the process, but it it's a long and arduous yeah. road, diet, supplements, um, you name it, I did it. Yeah. So after those three surgeries and everything, what did you do next? After, um, the last surgery and then the last IUI, um, I finally had, um, I had looked up clear passage therapies every time I had to have a, um, laparoscopy and I thought, Oh, I won't do it. It was a time commitment and it was, you know, something I thought, I don't know if, 
if none of this other stuff can work, how can this work? So after the third laparoscopy and after I was partially pregnant or whatever wording you want to call it, I said, enough's enough. And I called Clear Passage and I had said I'd looked them up multiple times and I hadn't acted on it. I told them my story. I said, this is the last effort that I have. This is the last um, option that I have or the last hope that I have of even trying to make it possible. But even if a baby doesn't result, perhaps you can make the endometriosis better because it was to the point where it was really miserable now. And, um, and I said, but my end goal would be, you know, to have another baby. So they reviewed my case and it was right before spring break. So there were not very many people, um, down there and they were able to squeeze me in. And, um, so I drove down, or I drove up, um, every day and came home because my husband was out of town and I had a nanny to watch my son. So I drove up in the morning and I had my treatment and they were accommodating with my schedule. And then I would drive home at night. And I did that for the full 20 hours, um, which was four hours a day. And you had a lunch break and you had walking that you needed to do before you drove home. So I did that. And um, I came back and, and I wanted to go try again for my, um, to see what the doctor would say. And he said, I think you're just crazy. I don't, I don't think that that would have made any difference for you. And I said, okay, we'll see. So he said, your hormones are too high to do IVF. So let's just do IUI. And I said, that's fine. So they gave me an Avadryl and which helped the, the ovaries pop the eggs out. And they followed up with S-trace and progesterone. And we did that in July after, and I, my treatment was in April. It started April 2nd of um, 2012. And, and so I was there for that full week. And then the month of July, I found out at the end of July that I was pregnant. And then I had my son exactly one year to the day that I began my therapy in 2012. So I started April 2nd, 2012. And then I had my son April 2nd, 2013. So it was a real wink that it was the right choice. It was, um, it was amazing because I had gotten home um, in April and we had waited the you know, we had waited a couple months and then we decided to try and um, it was like a miracle. The doctor couldn't believe it. He sat there and he told me, he's like, Jill, don't take any pictures. Don't tell anybody. Don't do anything. You don't want to jinx this. Um, but it was a healthy, healthy pregnancy. I didn't have any issues. I felt good. Um and it was just the most amazing thing. I had told Larry and Belinda, I wanted to be one of their stories in their book because, you know, every time I was feeling down in so many of those moments um, before having gotten pregnant and going through that process, I had their book and I would read the stories about people and see that it was possible. And so it would give me hope and it would lift me up. And I think, okay, I can do this. I'm not willing to give it up yet. I don't want to be a person that gives up on this. And so it was just amazing. That's incredible. So 
for a lot of our listeners, they may not know about Larry and Belinda's book or what Clear Passage is. So how did you come upon Clear Passage? Can you tell us just a little? Yeah. I know we have Larry here too. He'll come on as a cameo later, but how did you discover them and the book? And just for people who are listening, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking sure. about, Jill. Sure. So um, of course, probably like every other woman that wants to get pregnant or learn something late nights on the computer researching alternative care for whatever it was. I had lots of experience doing that same thing for autism. So I was going to do the same thing for endometriosis. And so um, in my search, it, a clear passage always came up and I was like, it's in Florida. I'm in Florida let me just investigate this more. And then, um, so I read everything on their website and then they had a book. So I ordered their book. It's called Miracle Moms, Better Sex, Less Pain. So I ordered it and I started reading these stories and I was thinking there's something to this. There's something to this. And I was hesitant and I was hesitant. And then I just had a moment after that one call where the lady said, you're, you know, your numbers are indicating you're pregnant, but then I had a bleed and I lost it. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm going to have to incorporate that route for myself with the fertility doctor. But before I get there, I want to try this option. And in their literature um, for clear passage, it had said, there's a lot of success for people, whether they're doing IUI or IVF, or even trying to get pregnant naturally, their chances are increased if they um, have the hands-on manipulation therapy to help um, release some of those adhesions in your body. And I mean, I was full of adhesions and I had had so many surgeries. I had had a C-section and then three laparoscopies and um, and then just everyday wear and tear on your body, you have falls, you have, you know, bumps and bruises and, you know, you bump into things and you just take some Advil and keep going, but you don't yeah. really think about maybe what it's doing to your body or the scars that it's leaving inside of your body. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, incredible that you went in April and a year later. Yeah. Oh, it was fabulous. Oh my goodness. So what happened after that? So after I had Jack, I was so excited and I healed from my C-section. But the first thing that I did was I went back to clear passage to have them work on those adhesions from the new C-section right. because um, now I'd had two C-sections in the same place. And if you're familiar with how that works, it just kind of keeps getting deeper and deeper, you know, the scar tissue. So I knew, I thought to myself, maybe I'd like to try one more time for a little girl. So I wanted to keep my options open. So I went back and was treated just 10 hours just to have them work on my C-section. And then I got to a point where I thought I'm ready to um, try again. So I had weaned Jack and I got pregnant a second time with the same protocol that we use for Jack, which was let's monitor um, the status of my ovaries. When it looks like um, my ovaries have mature eggs, let's use an Ovidrel. Let's follow up with S-trace and progesterone after the IUI. And on the third try with Jenna at 41, I got pregnant and they were baffled because they couldn't find her. She was sitting so high up. And so I was in my third ultrasound and they're like, 
come back. And then they ended up calling and saying, you're pregnant. You know, they saw a little sack. So I had her at 42. And then again, after I had her and I had healed from my C-section, I did go back um, because I was in such a good place after my treatment with the endo. I wasn't having pain. I was having regular cycles that weren't so miserably heavy. There wasn't much cramping. And um, so I felt better just in general, having had the treatment. So treating, getting treated for the endometriosis and the adhesions, it was like a bonus. And, um, and those adhesions can do miserable things to your body. They pull and tug on your body, which makes, you know, makes you sometimes lopsided or makes your back hurt or pulls on things. My, um, because my adhesions were so bad, my uterus was attached to my, like my bowel and my uterus were attached together. And, um, and that doesn't feel good either. I mean, it just causes so much restriction in your body. And so um, having that treatment gave me peace of mind, um, peace of mind that for my endo, I didn't, I didn't want to have to go back and have another surgery. I was petrified of having more cysts and I didn't have any issues. And I made sure that I did breastfeed after each of the babies too, which kind of puts my cycle off, you know, it puts your cycle off or delay it from coming back. And so I did whatever I could do to kind of keep that endo at bay. But the best thing that I ever did, I, I sound like an infomercial, but the best thing that I ever did was go to Clear Passage. I mean, they gave yeah. me my life back and they, I have two miracle babies because of them. And, um, but I, but I, I followed the, the, um, they were so great to me when I was there and um, walked me through so many things and talked to me about how numbers aren't everything and they weren't. And you could every once in a while, you'd read a story about how a lady got pregnant despite her numbers. And in, in those fertility clinics, so much of it is numbers based, you know, they don't operate without certain numbers because if your numbers are high, it lessens their chance of having a productive pregnancy, which, you know, their numbers get logged someplace. So people can look up their successes and pregnancy success, you know, and so they wouldn't want to take a chance. And, um, despite that, so I just felt like that was my last hope. And I, and I told them that. And so it was so healing when I was there because, um, you kind of remember some things when you're going through the treatment. And I remembered I'd had a fall and I had fallen on my tailbone and my tailbone was kind of cupped upward. So, you know, they said, well, that's definite too for maybe making the endometriosis worse. If you had it and you were dealing with it, fine. But if you fall and then that's just going to compound the issue. So that could have been um, a big issue. And I felt like when I left there, my posture was better. And I was, you know, I, I took a little bit more time for myself and I left with directions on stretching that were good for me. It was like my own little time and routine that I would do every night before I went to bed. Um, and so I followed all their protocols and, you know, it, it really, it paid off for me. Um, and I was just so thankful for 
for that time. It is, it's a time commitment. I went the full 20 hours when I first went because I wanted to make sure that I had the best chances possible at just getting better. Number one, the baby was a bonus. Um, it How was do you my feel goal. today. How do you feel? Now? I feel good. I haven't had any issues since no issues. That's wonderful. Since. That's wonderful. So people now Larry is here with us, but Larry and Jill are both here. If you're listening and or watching, but so people are going to say, well, what did they do? What was this thing that they did to help you? So 20 hours, 10 hours. So listeners who may not know anything about this treatment method may be a little confused. So um, Jill, maybe you can tell us a little from your perspective of what right. was done. And then Larry, if you can tell yes, us all about um, the, the technical version. Um, Larry and Belinda founded a method um, after she was treated for cancer to help lessen her pain. And it was hands-on manipulation. And it's internal and external. So the internal part, maybe not so fun, but um, it's done in a very dignified and um, in nice manner. You don't feel like you're, I mean, it's not anything that's fun for anybody, but if you've got to do it, it's done most respectfully there. And, um, and so a lot of it was hands-on pressing on spots until they could feel a release of a, an adhesion and they just worked their way around my body. But before they, they began, they took measurements of how I was standing and what my posture was and where it looked like there was maybe a tug or a pull and how I was standing and, and asked me, where do I hold my stress? Is it in my neck? Is it in my back? And then they just would have different hours through the day where they would work different parts of my body. And, and it's a very quiet and very healing and, um, nice environment to do that. And, um, and so some of it, it does get uncomfortable if they're working on an especially tight adhesion, but it doesn't stay uncomfortable. And, um, and it's probably, it, it's way better than having surgery. <laughs> I can tell yeah, you that. Sure. You know, Were you sore I, after? I did, the, I did the surgery route three times and that was no walk in the park. Um, yeah. Sometimes at the end of the day, I would be a little bit sore, but they're very gracious in the bathroom. They have Advil and everything that you could need. And they Drink give lots you of water, right? Lots of water, lots of fluffy robes. And so um, at the end of the day, they really, and at lunch break, they ask you to walk in between sessions because that helps keep everything loose. And so I followed their directions, drank lots of water, did lots of walking. I took my Advil when I was done. I might've had a couple little bruises here and there on the places they really had to press hard on. But overall, that pain didn't last. That soreness or achiness didn't last. And they tell you, you may have some of that up front. But I didn't have a lot. I mean, in comparison to what I would be dealing with endo-wise, it was, it was nothing. It was easily treatable with Advil, you know? So Larry, tell us about this method and tell us about clear passage and welcome to the okay. show. Thank you. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. We can. Okay, good. 
So basically, yeah, I mean, it, as Jill said, we started when my wife developed, who's summa cum laude physical therapist, developed massive adhesions after pelvic uh, radiation and surgery for cancer. And she was in debilitating pain a year later. And doctors said, oh, that's adhesions. We don't we don't know what to do with adhesions in medicine. We, if we cut, we're just going to make more adhesions. So just learn to live with the pain. So, we didn't want to do that. So we started examining how to decrease adhesions, finally came up with decreasing them actually using our hands. So it feels like pulling out the, the run in a sweater in very ridiculously slow motion. Um, and so we were treating first Belinda and she went back to work and did great. Um, so we, she started, we started treating other patients with pain and then women with blocked fallopian tubes, their tubes started opening and we were shocked because we were not expecting or trying that. And chief of staff of the hospital said, well, this is remarkable. You're doing things with your hands. I don't think I can do surgically. We can actually test this by um, uh, seeing whether or not you're opening tubes by doing before and after dye tests when you treat. And we did that. Um, and um, then I remember the first, we were so naive about women's health really at the time. We were just treating adhesions and this woman comes in and she said, you know, it's amazing. My period came and I didn't even know it was coming, you know, because I'm generally on the ground for a couple or three days with every time my period comes. And we said, okay, yeah, but now that you've treated me, you know, I've had that for years and now it came and I didn't even know it was coming, you know, because I have endometriosis. Mm -hmm. We said, oh, okay. Wow. She left and Belinda and I looked at each other and said, what's endometriosis? Because we really didn't know way back then, 30 years ago, what that was, as so many people do not. Um, so all we have been doing this entire time for the last 35 years is decreasing adhesions. And it works in areas as small as fallopian tubes. Our success rate for endometriosis for pregnancy is 43%, and that includes women with endo and totally blocked fallopian tubes. So if you don't have totally blocked fallopian tubes, it's I'm sure it's higher than that. Um, so what happens, however the endometriosis arrives within your body, and it generally starts in your pelvis and can spread anywhere in the interstitial spaces between organs and structures, Wherever it lands, it creates some inflammation and your body goes, oh, there's inflammation there. Let me send in some cross links. Let me send these little building blocks of adhesions to surround the areum to help um, so the white blood cells can fight off the inflammation. Well, once they fought it off, you have an internal scar there and the body just doesn't have a way of getting rid of that scar. And now when you reach up and you pull and you're trying to grab something, it pulls here. Or in, like in Jill's case, as she talked about standing up straighter, it'll pull you forward. And now your head and shoulders are forward. Your back's starting to hurt because these little 2,000 pound disclearance bonds are pulling you forward. So what we found is that we can... We can't detach the bonds. The bonds themselves are about 2,000 pounds of square inch, the little strands. But where each of them attaches to the next and the next and the next, there's a molecular chemical bond. And as we get on the area after 
35 years of research doing this, we stay with it long enough and just know how to work it to dissolve those bonds. And as we do, those, those strands start detaching from each other. And it is very much like pulling out the run in a three-dimensional sweater, if you will. And it, it kind of takes you back in time. And that's what happened for Jill. And that's what happens really for all of our patients where these scars and internal adhesions have formed, but they're because they were needed at one point, but they're no longer needed. They're just acting like glue or straitjackets now. And I so had so bad. It was on my appendix. And that's only on 2% of people. And they told me, oh, you have it so bad. It was on your appendix. And only 2% of the population gets it there. So I had had my appendix taken out in my um, second surgery. And I remember waking up and the lady's like, I guess I need to tell her now. <laughs> they had taken that out. I mean, it was it was everywhere. It was terrible. So and then you had adhesions attaching your uterus to your bowel. Yes. Oh, the bowel and the, they were together. And right. so it made sometimes going to the bathroom painful. Um, it, it was, it was a mess. It was a big mess. <laughs> yeah. And whether or not that was from the endo that had escaped and just landed there, or when you think about it with the woman's reproductive structures, you have this warm, moist, dark environment that's that's designed to nurture life and you have things going into you from the outside world that are not always sterile when you're having intercourse or such and those things so they a little bit of bacteria enters there it's in a warm moist dark environment it goes oh my gosh this is wonderful i can just grow <laughs> here right and you're and so these little adhesions start to form from that infection, and that's where people with endometriosis, so many of them have intercourse pain because this area that should be pliable and pleasurable when it's moved now it has little bonds like little curtains or straitjackets attached to it. So anything that's in there starts to hurt. And, um, and that's and another problem. You had said those happen also from yeast infections and bladder infections too, right? That's so, right. oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if you ever had a yeast infection, which is common, and um, you know, bladder infections, which I I grew up with terrible bladder infections, um, for some reason. Um, so I had had a procedure when I was itty bitty, and I forget even what it was called, but it was from having recurrent bladder infections. So they just, you know, those adhesions they just build up over time, you know. Mm -hmm. After yeah, especially after surgery. I mean, multiple, you know, people with endo are having these multiple surgeries on top of already having the adhesions from the endometriosis. So it's just perpetuating it even more. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, no matter how wonderful and skilled and compassionate your doctor is and gynecologists are some of the most compassionate professionals we've ever met, they cannot help but create more adhesions because that's how the body heals from yes. surgery. Yeah. So every time you have a surgery, it's, it, generally speaking, it creates more. Yeah. Yeah. And and speaking of that, when I was having my third C-section with Jenna, they, they were like, we're almost there. It just takes us a while to get through all that scar tissue. So you can imagine, you know, as those build up, I mean, they were like, 
they were really having to cut hard to get her out. Um, because it, you know, it had been, you know, two other C-sections plus the laparoscopy. So those things, they just build on top of one another is the way they made it sound to me. You know, it was a pretty thick area of, of scar tissue in that pelvic area. So they, Larry, I think what you guys are doing is great and you have locations all over. You're not just in Florida. We're a global show. So people from all over the world listen to this show. So if they're looking, people are looking to find you or find more information, is it best to go to your website? You just go to clearpassage.com. If you'll, you can see where our locations are from LA to London. And we have even one right at the channel entrance from Europe, uh, in England. But, um, if you complete a medical history form there, we will review it and we'll let you know, you know, you're appropriate or you're not appropriate. We're glad to talk to you about it. There's no charge for any of that stuff. Uh, we're going to tell you the truth. I mean, this is important. We're dealing sometimes with life and death situations. And, yeah. and of course, having a child is it's your dream. So, um, so just complete a medical history form there and, uh, and then we'll tell you we can kind of fill you in on everything. It does have the advantage of no drugs and no surgery, which is um, um, huge, I guess. And the huge. success rates are actually a little bit higher than um, um, than IVF, so cost less. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's absolutely incredible what you two are doing, and I'm so grateful, Jill, for you sharing your story, very personal story, obviously, and Larry for all the work you and Belinda have done, and you're helping so many people. Is there anything um, either? one of you would like to add before we wrap up um, a lot of people with endometriosis listening to the show that might be in the very beginning of their journey. They may not have a diagnosis or people who have had 20 surgeries. I mean, there's a variety of people listening. Any advice that even if you do go that route with IVF or IUI before you go that route, have the clear passage treatment, because that's what I had to do. I, I couldn't, do it on my own after clear passage, but combining the two and joining the forces was what um, made it a success for me. So um, there's nothing wrong with doing that to, you know, make it a team effort. I mean, that's what I had to do, but I didn't have a lot of time. Somebody may have more time. I was 37 when I started my journey and I was 40 when I had Jack and I was 42 when I had Jenna. So I didn't have so much time, but I think about had I gone to clear passage first, what perhaps might've been, I might've had been able to save myself all those laparoscopies and meds for stimulation because one thing that I wanted to mention was after clear passage, um, I wasn't stimulated for my eggs when I did my IUI. And that was really important. I think that the um, eggs can grow a little better in those ovaries when there's less restriction. And so that was really important because they like to stimulate you with those meds. And that was not a good thing for me in my case. And so the fact that I had stage four endo and I was 40 years old and I got pregnant with my own eggs without stimulation, 
um, I thought was huge because my numbers, like I talked with Larry, Larry said, Jill, don't worry about the numbers. And, and that was really hard to let go of because yeah. the whole process going through that whole fertility process is all about numbers. The first thing they do is take your blood and check your numbers. So knowing that I had a high FSH and a low AMH and knowing that I was almost 40 years old and then not having to be stimulated and getting pregnant so quickly with a little bit of help. I mean, it was an Ovidril, an IUI, and then estrace and progesterone. That's pretty fantastic. Um, and I think the, the quality of eggs improved probably after that treatment, because when I was doing IVF, I didn't have that many eggs that were of good quality. I mean, they retrieved maybe 10, which wasn't much. And out of those 10, I had three. And when I had completed my process through clear passage, I had just as many quality eggs, as far as I'm concerned, um, on the ultrasound without stimulation. So I may have had fewer eggs, but they were more quality because they had an environment where they could grow better. You know, I can only imagine, you know, if you're you're in a little ball and the ball is like squished or half, half available, you know, half open, you know, you can't really grow that well. Yeah. So I think there's something to that. Amazing. Just, body does um, I might, it might be useful to know the most appropriate people for, to consider this therapy. I mean, if you're young, you have endometriosis and you're having pain and you're not thinking about having kids so you can try some hormone medications just to to stop your periods and it'll stop the swelling so it stops the pain once you start thinking about i want to have children or if you have intercourse pain pain with intercourse we're in the up in the 90 percentiles for decreasing that and there's really nothing in medicine that that we know of that that does that they give you um, the desensitizing agents, things where you don't really want to be desensitized, you just don't want to have pain. Um, so those would be uh, the most appropriate. If you're looking and considering a surgery, we did do a study where compared us to surgery and the results a year out, and we were virtually the same as surgery, but not creating more adhesions. A lot of women say to us, and a lot of patients say to us, I've had so many surgeries, I must be so complicated. It must be so hard. You know, I, I don't think you can help me. Those are actually some of our best patients or our most appropriate patients, because when you're so adhered, it gives us really more to grasp and more to pull apart. And it's kind of like really going back decades, you know, yeah. over the time that the form. So, um, so that has really not been a, a problem, which you might've thought it would be the multiple surgeries and, and long-term and well, Jill was stage four endometriosis. I mean, she'd had it for years and multiple surgeries. I think you're a perfect example. And I loved what you said about how your body just, responds by itself when it's taken out of these adhesive bonds, these 2,000 pounds of square inch straight jackets and allowed to, to react on its own and to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah, so, it um, yeah. just, it changed my life. And I would say, if you're thinking about it, do it. 
Um, I know that it's a time commitment. And I think that's probably what people first think of was, oh dear, you know, do I have a whole week? Well, I just make it work because um, it would be the best choice that you can make. It was the best choice for me. Um, it may not be the best choice for everybody, but if you, you know, if you don't want to have surgery and you don't like the meds and all that other stuff that goes along with it, it, it stopped that endless cycle for me, that endless, okay, let's go get a surgery. Let's see how long it lasts. What's going to happen this month. It just stopped all of that in its tracks. I came home and, and like you were giving the example of the other patient and thinking, okay, my back's hurting. I'm waiting for my cycle to start. And I remember when mine started, it started and I had no idea it was going to start. And so it took a lot of that preemptive pain away, that lower back pain. That's where I felt it the most. It took a lot of that away. And, um, and so it just made, it made life so much better there was so much more ease to it. And it made that whole process of that fertility cycle so much better. You know, the doctors didn't believe me. I walked in there and I told them, this is what I did. And they're like, okay, Jill, you know, whatever you've done this month, you know, because I, by that time, it just seemed like I was kind of a little bit of a wackaloon because I was, you know, telling them, oh, I did a castor oil pack, or I, you know, I was doing mock stuff for my acupuncturist. And, you know, this time I came in and I told them I had been to clear passage. They're like, whatever, you know, okay. Right. And so I proved them wrong and there was nothing more satisfying than proving them wrong. When, when they tell you, you know, you're making them look bad and your file is so large and, you know, they didn't really know what to do with me. And, but they, I have to give them credit. They gave me a couple more shots and, and I proved myself successful. So that was because of clear passage. And so when we went back and I said, we're going to try one more time, they were like, okay, then we're going to not rock the boat and we'll do the same protocol that we used with Jack. And we were successful with Jenna. So um, that's what I said, you know, a, a, you know, teaming the, the options together really increases your opportunities or your chances, I think. Well, I think the other thing that we should mention is there's a lot of people who can't access surgery. A lot of these endometriosis surgeons don't take medical insurance and, you know, it's very, very expensive. And I know obviously clear passage has a cost associated with it too, but my assumption is, is not as high as some of the surgeries that need to be done. And you're considering surgery, which I'm sure Larry, you will tell me the risks of coming to clear passage are probably a lot less than having a surgical procedure. The risk is pretty much temporary soreness, increased desire, arousal, lubrication, orgasm, and decreased pain, which people started calling us, telling us they were having orgasms like they'd never had in their lives. And my wife asked me what I should do with that information. I said, look, we're already the weird practice in town. Don't even mention it. <laughs> The staff at the hospital said, that's phenomenal. We don't have anything in medicine that does that. We ended up presenting at the American Society for Reproductive Medicine on that aspect. So I know we help all of those. Um, one area that Jill touched on, and I think it's, it's important to mention because so many of us have had a fall in life, roller skating, ice skating, whatever, at some point earlier in life. When you have a fall on your tailbone, 
and this may have happened with you, Jill. If you're about to, you, if you, you have a phone, you're. You hmm? found yeah. the cupping of my tailbone. That was right. So here's what we see. If you if you're about to have a period, sometimes it can. We think it can squirt that endometrial tissue out your tubes and into your body and create endometriosis in that way. But the other thing that it does is when it push, when if you have a fall, if I can get this right, and it pushes your tailbone forward, now it's in the way for you having intercourse. Um, so that if you have pain with deep penetration, it is often your partner running into that tailbone um, and, um, and it hurts when that happens. The other thing that happens, it was really weird. We, we learned when we were treating some headaches that had um, that were chronic and were going to the ER several times a month. We were working up here and that was working for a lot of them, but the worst ones, it wasn't. We found that when your tailbone is actually at the very bottom of your spine, if it gets pushed forward, which is what happens in a fall, and it gets pushed forward a half an inch, it can actually pull on the other attachment of your of your dura, your spinal cord at the base of your skull and give you headaches largely right here at the base of your skull or sometimes up here where they attach. So when we go in there is where I think we probably did with you. Um, it, when we go in there and we feel a tailbone that's pulled forward, we're gonna go ahead and start pulling that back and we see a tremendous amount of relief for people that do have head and neck pain, in addition to the improved uh, intercourse, improved deep intercourse. Anyway, so I mean, it makes sense. It's, just, it's yeah. the whole body is connected, right? So if something's pulling here or whatever, I mean, I've talked to endo patients who had a lot of shoulder shoulder pain, right, from adhesions mm -hmm. that had stretched up into their shoulder. So, right. or thoracic endometriosis that was causing all types of, of wreaking, wreaking havoc on their diaphragm. So I really appreciate you both so much for being on the show. Thank you for sharing. Um, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? Wonderful. So. Yeah, don't yeah. walk. Run to Larry and Belinda. Go, <laughs> go if you can. It's the best thing that I did. And I have two beautiful babies because of it. Well, they're not babies anymore. I wish. <laughs> they're Having getting older, right? Well, yeah. Larry, thank you for all your work and everything you do. Jill, thanks for being vulnerable and sharing your story with us. And I appreciate you. And thanks for being on the show. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your support, listening in, and all of your positive feedback. It means so much to me. If you'd like to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it if you could do that on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get more guests, helps us get higher search ranking, and I just really appreciate all of that good feedback because it helps people discover the Cycle Podcast. Also, if you want to keep the conversation going, please join the Facebook group. There is the link in the show notes, and it's just a group, a very small group of people who listen to the podcast and guests who have been on the podcast if you want to further the conversation. And lastly, this podcast is not a replacement for medical advice or treatment, so always have to put that disclaimer in there. Please always, always talk to your doctor 
And thank you so much for listening, supporting the cycle. It means everything to me. And I just hope that this is helping you and you're feeling okay today. Thank you again. Thank you.